Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. There's a swing and a drive to center by Ramos. Back and it goes Ellsbury. To the wall. It is gone. Wilson Ramos with a two-run home run. And with one swing of the bat, he's given the Rays the lead. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to our latest show. Today, you'll hear from Malik Smith about the special moms in his life. Doug Wachter of Fox Sports Sun will join us. Annie Spann discusses her first Mother's Day, plus special moments with Rays players and their moms. We continue on this week in Rays baseball, and our feature guest on this Mother's Day is Malik Smith. And Malik's first of all, Tell me what Mother's Day means to you. You know, Mother's Day is a day where you just kind of look back and reflect on um, everything that mothers and and people who took the stances of mothers for those in their lives. um, You just give thanks. You know, you you would like to thank them every day, but you don't. So, you know, having a day like this where you can just... um, the day is dedicated to them and the things they taught you and the care they brought you. It's it's just an awesome time. Tell me about the moms that are really important in your life. Obviously your mom, but your grandma, your your sisters, right? Yes. Um, you know, uh, all of them feel like they're my, my mother. <laughs> all of them feel like they're my mother at some point in my life. But, um, you know, just having positive, you know, female, female strong, strong woman, to uh, just kind of show discipline and with uh, discipline and strength with such beauty and grace is it, uh, it's a wonderful thing to see because you know it kind of sets the standard of one how you treat somebody you know how you would like your um, your significant other to be like you know um, just having that around uh, it, it's a separator because you know um, unfortunately some people don't have their mothers or don't have a great positive you know mother uh role model so having somebody that you think is uh a good influence on you or just somebody who's just setting a good example and just somebody to love and to love for you because a woman's love is uh it's a very sensitive but strong love hard to be mimicked by a man so having having that around in a positive manner is just uh you can't compare it to anything how are each of them different in terms of the way you know they've impacted you? Uh, well, you know, my mom, she's uh, she's very strong-willed, strong-minded. Um, so uh, you have to learn to respect that, and uh, you learn to appreciate a woman with that in that manner uh, because she's not she's not uh, she's not a, a pushover, or soft, or uh, but she's tender where she needs to be. So um, just developing, developing a respect for women in that manner, um, is, it definitely helps you out through your everyday life, you know, being a male. And then my grandma, um, just well, fun, very fun, very loving. You know, know how to keep keep a family together and, you know, know how to unite Um that's one thing I commend my grandma for, my grandmother for, 
Um, she knows how to make sure everybody stays in contact. Have you talked to your cousin? Have you talked to your uncle? Have you talked to your auntie? You know, have you talked to your nephew? Nephew can't talk. Well, have you at least let him see your face? You know, things like that. She's always trying to find a way to connect. And, and at first, I, I kind of thought that it was uh, not weird, but just, you know, a little annoying. But as you get older and, you know, get people separated and you don't see people as much anymore, it becomes something that you realize is a big deal and that you need to um, not just take for granted that, oh, well, you know, she knows she loves. She knows that I love her, so it's okay not to talk to them. No, no, no. People you love still want to hear from you even if they know that you love them. You know, they still want to hear from you. They still want to talk to you. They still want to be around you. It's just a, a beautiful thing in that nature. And your sister? Uh, now that's uh, tough love, you know. Strong, too. Like my my both my sisters, like my mother and my grandmother, strong, strong will, very determined. Um, but the friendship there is an unbreakable bond, something that I treasure because you get you get it all the way around. You know, things they tell you and teach you. You know, um, the genuine feelings. Um, they're never really. They're never gonna steer you wrong. If they do, just steer you wrong. It's not on purpose. It's just from their knowledge. This is what they've experienced. Um, and you know, they giving. Biggest thing about my sisters, they give you all sides of you know the book, especially when you're dealing with women. You know, like good, bad. You know, maybe your mom may want to keep you away from women. You know, your grandma's tell you don't worry about women. You know, your sisters say, okay, well, you know, women gonna be in your life. You know, other than us. Um, here's here's some positive ways that you handle them. You know, here's some do's and don'ts. You know, here's some things that have been said to me that I don't like. You know, here's some of the things that you could say that make it. Uh, uh, better for you in the future of women, you know. So, uh, just just learning learning women through my sister, sisters. Um, it's just a positive way, you know. Now seeing one of my sisters in the light of a mother, um, I'm learning how to deal with her in that light a little bit better. How do you like being an uncle? Uh, being an uncle is phenomenal, you know. Every time I know he's in town, I'm I have no care in the world about what's going on with me i'm just trying to figure out how to get back to him and it's it's a relief you know like i'm not the whole you know growing up in today's world is a big me factor and when i'm dealing with my nephew i just it just kind of disappears like i'm just trying to figure out what's up with him goes from me to he right definitely from me to he and you know if i have some nieces it'll definitely be from me to she um, or some sons and daughters one day from me to them. So I'm excited about it. I want to back up to your grandma. She's going to get recognized here at the ballpark in a couple of weeks on the next homestand um, for, for beating breast cancer. What does that mean to you and how has she inspired you? You know, uh, she, it means everything because, like I said, I feel like my, my, my grandma is the great uniter on our team. I mean, on my family team. <laughs> and um, she just... For her to be, first of all, in such a positive spirit in the midst of all her, um, everything that she was going through at the time, it is, um, it means the world 
because when things are going so bad, people can be angry, mad, sad, and you won't be mad at them. You know, it's no problem. But in a time where things look so bad or seem so bad, somebody's so positive, it makes you take a second look at yourself, you know, and just like, all right, I need to change the way I'm thinking, appreciate my days more because what it seems like number of days is happening in front of her. You know, she's taking it as a reason to be uh, happier, you know, stronger, you know, make sure that more people, you know, stay connected and turn it from uh, it being about a pity party for her, but a celebration, you know, um, for her to beat it, you know, and it's just positive. It's love. It's love. I, I can't help but appreciate it and and. And just continue to learn and grow from her. I'm, yeah, learn from her as we grow, and just soak up as much as I can, you know. Because in a time where you can be so negative, she stayed positive, and just keep that in mind throughout my life. You obviously have gotten, you got some good role models, but you've also gotten off to a really good start. How have you grown since last year, and, and why do you think you're having some of the success you're having? I've grown and just kind of just. Uh, calming down. I still got a long ways to go. Uh, but just calming down and accepting the circumstances for what they are, for what they are. And, um, just continuing to, you know, grow and progress and figure out what I can do better. And, and, and at times where they could be neg, what I could feel like negative for me, I could turn into a positive, you know, and just continue to build off every moment, whether it is a negative or a positive, figure out how I can have done it better or became better, be a better teammate, you know, be a better, um, student in the game, you know, um, and just make sure that I am properly preparing myself to not only learn and and apply the knowledge but be prepared to give it to the next generation coming behind me you've got the benefit this year you know we've talked about uh role models in your life on uh, your mom your your sisters your grandma but in this clubhouse you got carlos gomez and denard span how do they help you in different ways because they're very different personalities at least they appear that way man uh it's been great having both of them around because you know carlos is you know a sparky you know, a fiery guy, and Denard is the calm before the storm. Learning, learning from the, both of them has been uh, phenomenal for me. For the simple fact that you know, it's, let's go to Denard. Um, we're quite a, we're like the same player, so I can learn about his game. You know, he applies a little bit more power. You know, drives some more guys in. You know, um, so in certain situations, I, I can pick his mind. And ask him how he does this and, and, and how he prepares for his day, you know, and things like that. Like, how does he always prepare for every pitcher, you know? Because you see him every time he goes up that bat. It's a professional at bat. Mm-hmm. So just learning what makes him comfortable when he's out there uh, can transfer over to my game. And just how to be a professional and just how you talk to people and how you go about dealing with the media and, and just growing as a man because, you know, he is a man. He's a grown man that is, um, I'm not going to say perfected his uh, his game here, but he's definitely considered as a professional on and off the field. You know, you switch to Carlos, who is still a professional on and off the field, you may, what you, he's more than what meets the eye, though. You may see, like, uh, you may think he's a wild, uh, fiery guy, but in actuality, 
Um, he's, he's, um, he's very intelligent. He's a thinker. Um, he's always doing things with a purpose. Uh, it doesn't matter the flair. It definitely has purpose. Um, and he works hard. Both of them work really, really hard, you know. And Carlos isn't afraid to Carlos isn't afraid to give you the knowledge without you asking. And that's something I commend him for because a lot of people won't say nothing to you if you don't say nothing to them. Whereas he'll grab you and say, Hey, no, that's not right. This is how you do it, this is how you prepare. And having having those two significant um people in my life, all I can do is take from them and get as I apply it, get ready to pass it on to the next man so that we can make life a little bit easier for them. The additional opportunities are in part because of KK's injury, and I saw him out here earlier today. How much has he helped you um, in terms of passing what he knows and what he sees to try and help you get better? Uh, KK's always a help. You know, uh, we talk a lot. Um, and we pick each other's brains, you know, um, with me coming over here, he's gonna he's gonna play center. I'm gonna be in the corner, so he goes down. You know, it could be he could sit down and be quiet, but you know, he come out here and help me out in center. You know, point out little little divots or little situations to be prepared for while I'm out here. You know, and he gives me uh, some tips on what he does to kind of put himself in a better uh, position to make plays. And even though he has uh, some strengths that are uh, higher than mine or stronger than mine, you know, he still he still find a way to uh, teach me how to apply my strengths to help myself out um, as best as I can uh, in his absence. You've grown, obviously, a lot within the past year. Where do you want to grow the most on the field going forward? On the field? Um don't try to do more than the situation ask. Uh, you know, that's that's one of my greater that's one of my greater issues, you know, like if I feel like something needs to happen, I want to f- make it happen and just learning how to just let situations play out will will definitely keep keep a lot of headache away from me and my coaching staff and, you know, my general managers, you know, they won't be shaking their head at me um, as often. I'm not saying that I won't never try to force the issue, but just picking and choosing the times and, and being a little bit more knowledgeable uh, about you know when I when I do try to force the uh, issue, so I can have a yeah be very knowledgeable about when it's time to force the issue and when I should you know hold. But my biggest growth needs to be to hold you know pull the reins back a little bit. They say that self-assessment and having a good understanding of self-assessment is the greatest ability to be able to grow going forward and i think you have a pretty good handle on that and hopefully uh all the moms in your life have a terrific mother's day and we appreciate some time on this week in race baseball no problem thank you for having me that is malik smith we continue in just a moment you're listening to the race baseball network welcome back to this week in race baseball so long with you on this mother's day joining me now to talk about the week on by is my good friend doug wechter of fox sports sun doug thanks for joining us i'm Sure, you've already made sure to say uh, hi to all the moms in your life. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and a happy Mother's Day if I missed anybody. So, uh, yeah, it's a great day, and uh, going to be a lot of fun to celebrate. 
Indeed. And uh, on the mound today for the Rays, from a baseball standpoint, I think they're, I don't know if they'd be celebrating a split, but they're hoping to get one and hoping that Blake Snell continues his evolution. He really has been, I think, and I don't know if you feel the same, the brightest spot on this staff so far. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, if you're the Rays, you got the right guy on the mound going for you today in Blake Snell. You know, you go back last season and some of his last starts, his last 18 starts, so you're going back into basically September when he came back from the Meyer Leagues, uh, recalled. <clears throat> his last 18 starts, he's 9-3 and with a 2.6 ERA. I mean, this guy came back from the Meyer Leagues after getting sent down with a, just basically on a mission. Um, you know, his mentality is totally different. He goes out there. He's aggressive within the zone. I think beforehand he tried to go and, you know, he tried to overpower people with his stuff, but he wasn't in the zone enough. And now you see the transformation of him going into the zone, into the strike zone with all three pitches and setting these major league hitters up the way he wants to and then just really finish them. Um, you know, the sliders come a long way. His curveball, he's even utilizing the changeup. But the one thing I like the most about Snell is I really think he's throwing the ball a little bit more aggressively inside. You know, we didn't see that last year from him a lot at the beginning of the year. But um, at the end of last season and even going into spring training, some of the games we saw, Neil, we called together, we saw him going inside corner a lot more often. And that just opens up the whole plate to you uh, if you're a stud left-hand pitcher like Snell is. No doubt. Um, and I think he can continue to even grow a little bit more in terms of first pitch strikes going forward. And, you know, you talk about him throwing inside. I almost see the opposite uh, compared to a guy like Chris Archer, who certainly has struggled, who had a 3 nothing lead in, in game one of yesterday's doubleheader, wasn't able to hold on. And the Rays... If they're to you know make some advances and, and surprise some people this year, they need Chris to get uh, back to being a top of the rotation potential guy, and I think part of that is throwing in. Well, you know, Chris, we always watch him and we see the stuff he has, and we just think, man, this guy has. Well, first of all, sliders probably ranked, if not the best, one of the top sliders in the game. Uh, fastball sits ninety four, ninety six. Uh, he's usually got good command, but I think you hit on a little bit. He does not throw the ball inside very often. And, you know, at times, um, if you're falling behind hitters, if hitters know you're not going to go inside, they can look to the outer half and look to drive the ball. And I think that's uh, what we've seen happen to Chris a few times, and even in yesterday's game. They're sitting on their pitches. They know that they're not going to get popped inside, so uh, they're able to extend their hands, drive the ball, and drive the ball out of the market time. So, you know, with Archer, his stuff is there. It's just putting it all together for him. And once he does, he is that top-of-the-rotation guy that can win you 15 games. But I think the incorporation of that changeup is going to be huge going forward into this year. And, you know, I'm a big fan of it too, Neil. Um, going inside corner, especially as a power pitcher, that's just a weapon that you always have. And, you know, if you don't utilize that a lot, um, you're, you're just not giving yourself the best chance to go out there every night and win. So you might see him go a little bit more inside. Uh, moving forward, utilize that changeup and continue continue to use that slider uh, when he's ahead and count, especially. No doubt about it. And, and you touched on, you know, stuff. Uh, Ryan Stanek was sent down today. Um, you talk about his stuff. I think it's certainly getting there in terms of adding the secondary pitches that can make him a more dominant potential back-end guy in the Rays bullpen going forward. Uh, but it, a small step in the right direction despite the home run allowed to Machado the other night. Right. Well, we all know how powerful this guy's fastball is. I mean, Stanek has one of the top fastballs in the game out of the bullpen when he's right. It's not the fastball that gets him in trouble, though. 
the what what's concerning is his off speed pitches and when he's able to utilize those off speed pitches and you know start to throw those in counts where it's typically a fastball count you're going to see this guy just explode because he's got talent all over the place i mean this he he can go out any night and he's got a fastball that can blow it by anybody at the big league it's just setting that fastball up correctly uh he's still a young guy you know he, he did get set down but um i obviously we look to see him again up in the big leagues shortly. And while he's down in the minor leagues, I know that they're going to go down there and, and work with that off-street pitch and the slider and possibly the split and uh, see what they can do to that so it's a little bit more consistent. Because, look, if he has those two pitches going, if he has more than just the fastball going, the kid's close to unhittable, and that's what we need in that bullpen. No doubt. And there's some guys look on his heels, Ian Jabot, Diego Castillo. So clock's ticking. It could be a really good group. Um, but, again, it, it means that these guys have to start to grow and develop. You know, in terms of developing, you know, I think Malik Smith's development is very, very important, not only to him and this team going forward, but also to this lineup. It seems like when he's able to create some havoc at the bottom, it allows C.J. Crone and Denard Spann to see a whole lot better pitchers at the top. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Malik Smith, when I was a pitcher, I hated throwing against guys like Malik Smith. He just – he finds a way to get on base. He wor- he's working good counts. He makes you throw a lot of pitches, almost wears you down. And then when he gets on base, you got to worry about him taking second, taking third, and sometimes even taking home. So, uh, you know, it- he's just one of those guys who he- he's had a good start to the season so far. He's been consistent. He's been a really bright spot in the order. And I agree with you that if we can keep Malice going in the right direction, that just makes the players around him that much better. I mean, Crone. Now that he's getting all the at-bats that we were hoping to give him, I mean, he's up to, what, eight home runs this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Ramos is hitting the ball well. So people around that lineup are doing well. And if you got the bottom half of the order contributing, then, you know, we're going to continue to throw up good numbers on the board. And uh, hopefully we can pitch well enough to win. And in the big picture, look, you're looking for development of this group this year. We're talking about Snow. Right. We're talking about Stanek. We're talking about Malik. So you want a core going forward that you feel confident can kind of ignite the organization for several years. Well, you're talking about the future of the race. That's really what it is. And it's really exciting to watch when you see these guys. And, you know, I think we've all gotten a little numb to it because we hear their names so often. We think, okay, well, you know, I know what Snell has. I know what Stanek has. I know what Malik Smith has. But you got to realize Check the uh, dates of their birth. I mean, these guys are all young, in their low 20s, and, you know, they're going to be around. They're going to be with the Rays for a while, so if we can get them in there comfortable in the big leagues, you know, this year, I mean, that's a great sign for us moving forward. Doug, great stuff. Enjoy the rest of your Mother's Day with all the important people in your life, and we appreciate some time in this week in Rays baseball. Absolutely, brother. It was great talking to you. You got it. That is Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun. We continue on this week in Rays baseball, and time to move on to the minor league side and feature one of the hotter hitters in the organization. I'm talking about uh, former draft pick out of the University of Maryland, Brandon Lau, who's now in Double A Montgomery. Brandon, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, absolutely, thanks for having me. Tell me, what's the the biggest difference? I know you got a taste of Double A last year, but what's the biggest difference between High A and Double A? Um, I would say there's more pitchers, you know, in, in the lower levels. People didn't locate off-speed quite as much, and at this level, they can throw it just about any time they need to. Did it help last year to get kind of a taste of the AA level and also play in the Arizona Fall League? How well did that prepare you for this year? Absolutely. I mean, any time that you can get a, kind of you know get reps against the competition that you're going to be against is always going to help you. And 
going to Arizona and facing some of the best talent that's out there in the minors right now is it can only prepare you even more. You know, you look at your numbers for this year, and obviously last year you had great numbers in the Florida State League. Uh, you were the league's MVP. But what stands out is you're hitting home runs, and we hear so much today about launch angle at the big league level. Have you added some loft in your swing? Is there anything that you've changed that's allowing you to maybe tap into your power a little bit more? I, I can't really say I've tried to hit the ball at a different angle. You know, that's pretty tough when, when you have somebody throwing 95 and you're in the heat of the game. But, you know, I just I try to do damage when I'm swinging. You know, I don't want to make soft contact, and I'm trying to drive the ball and hit the ball hard, and, you know, you get to the right angle, and it, it, it'll leave the yard. Because you talk to a lot of guys who would say, oh, I revamped my swing in the off season," or I did this, I did that. There wasn't really that dramatic a change for you then, it doesn't sound like. Not not this past year. Uh, you know, once I started, uh, my first year when I got drafted, I changed a few things up, you know, got into my legs more, you know, just did a, a few more things that would allow me to hit the ball harder. But I don't think I've never looked at it and said I have to hit the ball higher. You you uh, you hit a ball probably in spring training this year that uh, I don't know if open some eyes is the right word, but you made some loud contact in the big league spring training games. What did it mean to get some opportunities there, and how do you think it's helped you so far? I mean, it was a meant every, I mean, it was a great opportunity. Anytime you get to like I said, you get to play against the best competition. Obviously, that's where the best competition is, and you know, being able to make some solid contact there and you know, prove to myself that I can hit at that level is, you know, means the world. Chatting with Brandon Lau on this week in Rays Baseball. Brandon, you've been primarily a second baseman, but you've been playing some left field this year. What's been the biggest adjustment to that uh, and also making sure that doesn't affect your offensive game? I mean, just, you know, focusing on your at-bats when you, you know, have the at-bats. You know, don't think about outside things. It's really how you don't let it affect your hitting, but I mean, getting out there and you know having people that have played around there, and being able to ask them questions, ask our coaches questions about where I have to play and what should I do in these situations makes it a little bit easier of a transition for me. Some would say yours is a little harder because you know you're playing second base that's on the right side of the infield. You're playing left field that's on the left side of the field. How hard is it to adjust? Let's say the slice or the the angle of the ball off the bat playing on different sides of the field? In spring training, it was a little difficult. You know, it was, that's when they first started introducing it. And, you know, a couple of my reads were pretty, pretty bad. Uh Hmm. But, you know, just the more repetition you have out there, you know, anytime that you can get extra fly balls or reads off the bat, the more practice you have at it, the better you're going to get at it. You're not the only guy doing it. You and Nick Solak, who came over from the Yankees in that Steven Souza Jr. trade, are basically doing the same thing, second base, left field. I would assume more versatility, quicker chance of getting in the big leagues. Have you bounced stuff off each other? Because I know you're both pretty big, pretty good hitters, pretty good athletes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was, you know we're, we're both primarily second basemen, and you know, they both, we, we both got told that we'd have to go play left a little bit, and they're like, you know, talk if you need to. He's actually one of my roommates hmm. uh, in Montgomery. We talk about it all the time. We're like, what would you have done in that play? Like, did I do something right there? Would you have done something different? And it would really help each other to get a better understanding of you know, how we're supposed to play out there. Do you pick each other's brain on hitting? I know you hit from different sides of the plate. Not entirely. We've both been swinging it pretty good. So, you know, we're not 
looking too deep into our at-bats right now, but, you know, I'm sure if we ever get to a point where we're struggling, they'd probably be one of the first people we turn to. And I know you mentioned coaches. You've got two veterans um, with you, Gary Reedus, who's a former Major League outfielder, and Jamie Nelson, who's been at the big league level most recently last year and worked with hitters. How have those guys helped you this year? I mean, unbelievable. Like, the the amount of stuff I've learned from the both of them is incredible. You know, any anything I can get from Gary about um, where I should play in the outfield, what I should do on certain plays, or even stealing bases, Gary's been there and helped me with that. And then uh, with Jamie, the just working on approach up at the plate, you know, reading different pitchers and seeing kind of the similarities and what they do consistently is something he's really got an eye for, and it really helps us out. Well, you are off to, obviously, a very good start in Montgomery. We certainly appreciate a few minutes, and uh, hopefully the uh, the good run for you, Brandon, keeps up. Thank you very much. And that is Brandon Lau of AA Montgomery. Now, this week, minor league pitching coordinator Dewey Robinson was at Tropicana Field. He had just come back from the A-ball affiliates, and we first spoke about Willie Ortiz, who's been a very solid starting pitcher with the Charlotte Stonecrabs. Yeah, he's been extremely impressive, actually. Uh, to, it's been neat for me, personally, to watch this this young man develop from Dominican Republic you know, to rookie ball to Bowling Green to Port Charlotte, and, and I just came from them last week. And, and you will see his range of a fastball anywhere from 90, 96, 97, um, but what's encouraging for me, his secondary pitches are improving, his slider's getting better, and his changeup. So he's using all his pitches and learning how to pitch and getting deeper into games. You know how we always talk about being efficient with the pitches, being able to get in the sixth and the seventh inning. So he's been able to do that, and that's really encouraging. I'm excited about this kid. You had someone already who was promoted to double-A, Roel Ramirez. I know from what I heard, he was throwing maybe a little bit even harder than he had in previous years, too. Yeah, it's really been uh, a transformation for him. He came came into us out of high school from Texas and has really evolved or developed over the years, and his velocity has spiked up into the mid-90s, maybe touches 96, but... At one point last year, we started a split-finger uh, pitch with him, and we very rarely do that with our guys because of uh, just the uncertainty with elbow injuries. But we were having difficulty getting a quality breaking ball out of him, so we went to a splitter, and that really developed over the year. But what was encouraging this year, he found a slider, too, to go along with it. So he's a three-pitch guy. The velocity's there. Uh, I believe he had 12 or 13 innings in high A, and he's already we've already promoted him to double A. And a guy who is new to the organization in high A is a kid you got from the Diamondbacks in the Brad Boxberger trade, Curtis Taylor, and I know he had, what, an eight-strikeout game in three innings the other day? Well, my hat's off to our professional scouting department because these guys really work hard. Kevin Eibach and his group, Mike Brown, and the guys um, – so we've gotten a lot of players, pitchers, I should say, in particular, from other organizations. They might be young, but the upside is really good. And, and Curtis is one of these, these pitchers. A good arm, pretty young. We've had to tweak some things, but his slider's getting better. 
Uh, I think his last outing was uh, incredible. Let's go to your low-A club in Bowling Green where you have a group that was in Hudson Valley and really performed very well, starting with Brendan McKay. I mean, how good has he been? How good can he be? Well, I had the opportunity to see him throw five innings, and he's he's on a very strict pitch count, inning limit, all that kind of stuff because this is so unique for, for him and us to be a two-way player and being playing first base and DH and pitching. So um, it was impressive. Uh, he overmatches hitters with a fastball that will touch 95. A uh, good sharp curveball. He's got a cutter and a changeup. He's a four-pitch mix with a real nice delivery, and he's a strike thrower. And if you look at his numbers for the Midwest League, it's, it's pretty – um, it's pretty ridiculous. He's almost at two strikeouts per inning right now. So on the mound, it's been very impressive. And when you consider that it is often very, very difficult to pitch in that league early in the season because of the cold. And it's actually something we want our players and pitchers to do because just like the major league team playing in New York, Boston, Baltimore, Chicago, when the, when the weather's in the 20s and 30s, that's what these guys faced with, um, I want to say, the first three weeks of the season. They didn't play in anything over 40 degrees. So it's an adjustment for them, and especially some of our Latin players that haven't been in, in weather under 70 degrees in their whole life. It's a huge adjustment that I actually like them to go through. And you've got some talented other starters in Bowling Green. Drew Stropman's a college kid you drafted last year who played very well in Hudson Valley. And you've got two other kids, one who came in a trade, one who was drafted a year prior, Austin Franklin, and Tobias Myers, the kid who came over in the Tim Beckham trade. Yeah, what's interesting to me, you know, that this group won the championship in Hudson Valley last year. And I'm, I'm going to be a little biased and, and say it had a lot to do with our rotation. But when we got Tobias Myers into, into the rotation and, and um, Brendan McKay's pitch count was up, so he was a factor in the rotation, it really solidified the club and they went on to win it. Well, they're pretty much carrying it over to Bowling Green this year. And I'm going to say this, you know, it's their first full year in professional baseball, and it's a long season for them. And they're going through some bumps and bruises at this point, but they're developing fine, and we're all encouraged by how they're competing and what's going on there. That is Rays minor league pitching coordinator Dewey Robinson. Now, since our chat, two players we discussed, both Curtis Taylor and Brendan McKay, have been promoted to AA Montgomery and High Charlotte, respectively. So congrats to both. Now, coming up, hear from a longtime Rays employee, plus a great deal about Mother's Day, right after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Time now for our latest feature on 20-year employees in this 20th anniversary season. Hello, this is Diane Villanova. I'm the executive assistant for the Tampa Bay Rays, and I started March 1st, 1998. My first day at Tropicana Field was pretty overwhelming. It was exciting and fun. There was about 30 people here, and we were in small little offices, and it was the beginning of a long, happy road. So what do you remember about being hired? Is there anything that stands out about that? Yes, I was... Uh, assistant to Vincent Namoli for began at Anchor Glass Container in 1984. Uh, was with him for a number of corporations. He pursued the team. I remember in 1995 uh, we got the team. 
I believe it was the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Uh, he indicated that he was going to wrap up his other companies and that I would be following him to the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. So tell me what's been the best part about working for the Rays? Uh, the people. The excitement, um, working with a wonderful group of people who are like family, and just being part of Major League Baseball and having this awesome opportunity. So in 08, since that was your probably best memorable experience on the baseball side, where were you when your best that best moment happened and, and what made it interesting? I think uh, probably two moments. The first moments when we uh, went to the playoffs and the original 51 staff members we're out on the field to throw the first pitch. And as we walked onto the field with a full house and the whole place erupted, it was just extremely emotional and I wanted to have my family there and be part of this amazing moment. And then when we, the game seven of the ALCS, I and a number of staff members were on the balcony in center field. Um, I had my newborn four month old granddaughter with me and she had pink headphones on. And when Aki, caught the ball for the final out to beat Boston. I jumped, and as I jumped to with excitement, I realized I had the granddaughter in my arms, and we were all safe and happy. But it was an amazing, amazing moment. All right, so some pretty cool stuff there. How about one thing that is unique about you that you think would be interesting that you have not mentioned so far? Actually, Matt Silverman asked me this question um, when they came on board. Uh, moved to Florida with my family in, in 67. Um, started going to Alang Field, Alang Stadium, and actually saw spring training with Bob Gibson, Tom Seaver, the Cardinals, and the Mets. And I grew up in baseball, loving baseball. So then when the opportunity came to work for a major league team, it was like a childhood dream come true. And that is Diane Villanova, and congrats to her on 20-plus years with the Rays. On this Mother's Day, it made sense to also visit with a first-time mom. I sat down with Annie Spann, Denard Spann's wife and mom of DJ, and asked her what Mother's Day means to her. Mother's Day, it's a special day, and obviously being a first-time mom this year around, it means a little something different. Um, I always took a lot of appreciation for my own mother and, and those um, in my life, like my grandma and all that. And um, it, it's just different this year, but um, it's a fun day to celebrate. As a kid, do you remember anything special you made for mom or grandma or anyone else that, that stands out? And and what would uh, what are you hoping for on Mother's Day for you? What, is it, what does the day mean? I'm not sure that I had anything in particular that was special when I was young, but I'm sure there was some um, art on the fridge that was hung up or something. But... Um, yeah, it's just, um, it'll be a fun day. I don't really know what to expect, obviously, as a first-timer, but um, I'm sure that I'll get a lot of love just from Denard and close family family members, so that'll be exciting. As a mom, what's it, what has it been like? I mean, what were you anticipating going into it now, you know, kind of starting a family? I purposely went into it with no expectations because I really didn't know what I was going to get into. But, um, you know, the learning curve is so high as a new mom, and um, that's challenging within itself. But um, I just have so much love and support around me that made it a lot easier. So that was good. So tell me a little bit about um, not only being a first-time mom, but what DJ is like, your son. Where is he? Do you see, like, where he's like Denard, and where do you see he's perhaps like you, although it's early, I know. Yeah, um, looks Denard. Um, everyone's like, oh, he's so cute. He looks exactly like Denard. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> um, no, looks Denard. Um, 
personality. He's very smiley, always smiling, um, which is just fun to see and obviously fun to see as a mom too. So um, kind of hard, like you said, to see early on, but he's definitely kind of just a free-willed, easygoing little one. I would think um, as someone who's uh, a world-class athlete, who is a, a world champion multiple times in hockey, you probably have a different appreciation for what Denard does than anyone else. How does it make your relationship strong? Yeah, it's very similar in a lot of ways and very different in a lot of ways. Um, but definitely just the mentality um, that I know he has to be in each and every day going into um, literally every day game. Um yeah, it, it helps because we kind of can bounce each other's, you know, just ideas and encouragement off of one another. Um, the schedule, I traveled a lot um, with my own hockey and my own sporting, but it's uh, baseball is a, on steroids, really, um, 162 games and just every day. But um, I understand. I understand um, the energy that it takes and um, just the mental capacity that it, that it takes and the focus. Is it easier to help? or to know when to give him space when there's a good day or a bad day particularly? Yeah, um, it's been interesting just to kind of see, um, you know, every athlete reacts different to good and bad games, and so it's no different with a husband. So, um, yeah, we just, I mean, that's just life. You feed off of one another, and um, you talk it out, and, and that's that, and you have to move on to the next day because there's another game. Do you miss the competitive aspect of sports now, and or were you kind of ready to kind of start a family and continue with the next phase of life? I'm competitive in everything, so um, that's just an ongoing thing. Um, I get asked a lot, oh, do you miss it? Do you miss it? And a lot of people are shocked to hear that I don't miss it. Um, I miss the training aspect of it, as of course, but... Um, I, as a whole hockey, I don't. I'm still a hockey fan and all of that. But you know what? God led us, got led myself into a new chapter, um, and that was to marry Denard. And and then shortly after that, found out we were pregnant. And so it just that's the way that God led us into um, you know that chapter in my life, and it has been nothing but joy. And I have not looked back. I'm sure you have a great appreciation for the work that he his foundation does. Are, are you involved with that in some way, shape, or form, or is that something you want to do is, is you know, your relationship evolves with Denard? Yeah, I have actually um, kind of taken that on um, with another good friend of mine, and um, it, it's fun. It's just such a good um, foundation and good cause, and it, it kind of gives me something else um, to do, too, um, even though DJ does take up a lot of my time. But um, it's a good just kind of escape, and I love that kind of stuff. And, um, again, just love what he started and, and continuing to do. We're both excited about where that foundation is going and all we can do from it. Hopefully she and the other Rays wives are enjoying their Mother's Day wherever it is. Now we asked a number of players to tell us about great stories they have about their moms. Denard Span was essentially brought up by his mom, Wanda. Wanda brought up Denard and Denard's brother almost single-handedly, something that Denard certainly appreciates. Uh, she meant everything to me and still does. Um, she's the reason why I still play this game. She was the one that signed me up um, for my first baseball season, T-ball, when I was five years old. And... Um, still to this day, I get critiqued by her. So um, go figure. She thinks she she thinks she might be the best manager in all of Major League Baseball. Every every night I go home, she's always, why didn't you do this? 
why didn't you guys do this? I'm like, hey, mom. But uh, yeah, that's, that's my mom for you. That's Denard Span, tongue firmly in cheek, and certainly enjoying having his mom so close to home now that he's playing for the Rays. Joey Wendell grew up with two brothers in Pennsylvania and remembers his mom, Carol, providing a great deal of support, but also assistance during baseball season. Yeah, my mom did. She actually has a, a bad shoulder now from throwing throwing ground balls and high pops to me and, and my brothers and stuff like that. I'm sure we used to, to bug her endlessly to go out and play with us, and, and she would do that that willingly and happily anything that we were, we ever asked of her she was always there to do johnny field remembers his mom maureen providing tremendous help with warming up but more than that was her commitment in so many ways as he and his brothers grew up in nevada well, i really can't remember like her ever missing a game whether it was me growing up playing soccer or at a wrestling meet or football baseball literally games like every single game i played at she was at um she worked 12-hour shifts as a nurse to help, obviously, provide to pay for me to go on these trips and club ball and, and travel around and, and chase on my dream. But, yeah, I mean, she, like I said, she never missed never missed a sporting event for my brother or I. It was as supportive as a mother as you can ask for. Was she the one who carpooled you guys, too, to here to and from? Or would she kind of show up at the last minute and just get there in time? No, a lot of times she would carpool. But uh, my dad was always my head coach growing up, like in any sport, soccer, baseball, football. So a lot of the time I would ride with him because he'd be the coach. But for some reason, um, like if I was playing for a club team and he wasn't a coach, she would make the, the 30, 45-minute drives across town and get me practice on time and wait there until practice over and driving back home. So, yeah, she was very, very supportive of that aspect. Your dad coached, but was your mom uh, talkative in the stands? Could you hear her uh, often, or was she the quiet one in the stands who just watched? Oh, no, she uh, she was quiet, but she would, you'd hear her cheering for me whenever. She wasn't obnoxious with it where she would try to embarrass me, but any time I did something, she was I could hear her cheering. And she's actually, actually um, very surprisingly athletic i would play catch with her in little league we go in the backyard and i could throw it pretty hard to her and she could catch it where obviously most most moms might not be able to catch a 60 mile per hour fastball coming out or whatever and she would sometimes get down and sit on a bucket and and help catch when i pitched in little league so she could hold her own for sure it sounds like johnny field's mom more than held her own matt duffy says his mom kathy was the one who always offered the right advice and provided a calming effect always somebody to talk to and um I wouldn't say tough love, but my dad was a little more of the, you know, work hard and you get everything that you, you know, you give yourself a better chance of getting everything you work hard for. Um, and sometimes, you know, I would butt heads with my dad because dad's never right. Even when he's right, I'm not going to tell him that he's right. Um, so my mom would always be somebody to talk to and, um, you know, she's the most important woman in, uh, in my life. Did she carpool, or was she any good stories about her taking you here, there, and everywhere? Um, yeah, I mean, she was always there to support. So um, my sister did gym- gymnastics when we were younger, and um, my mom was really involved with her gymnastics and my dad with my baseball. So, um, But any chance that um, they got, they would you know, come to the games together, and uh, we had travel ball, and they would always travel for that, and uh, we'd have a little family vacation. That was kind of our vacations when we were younger was – a travel ball tournament a couple hours away so um no tropical islands or trips to hawaii for us but um you know that's just how we lived and, and we really enjoyed it and we really bonded over it and that's a great way for a family to bond for matt and Therese, mother's day always has had a great level of baseball importance matt won a start on his first mother's day in the majors in anaheim against the angels 
It's at that ballpark that Matt Andrees grew up going to Major League Games with his mom, Lynn, and the rest of the family. Yeah, the funny thing is I, I actually just talked to my mom and dad yesterday. They're like, so hopefully, you know, you pitch on Sunday, you know, it'll be three years in a row that I get a win. So Because last year I pitched, started in Boston, got the win two years ago. Was it in Anaheim? Got the win. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see if it works out. But, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's always cool to pitch on that day and just, and do well. Just knowing that all the moms are watching closely and, you know, everyone's wearing pink cleats and shirts. And I feel like it's more of like a big deal now. Both my mom and my dad, you know, definitely heavy support on that when, it came to us playing. I mean, for both of us to, to make it professionally was a pretty big deal. And then, uh, yeah, man, and just to just to play for her. I mean, even on, I mean, we we play for our families as as it is, but right. on that day, even even more so. And that is Matt Andreessen and that sums it up about as well as you possibly can. Matt pitched a day before Mother's Day, but true to form, he was very sharp. Well, we thank Matt and all of our guests on the show. If you ever want to hear something, just tweet me at Neil Solons. For producer Trey Downey, Neil Solons saying stay tuned next week with Jake Faria. Next up, the Rays pregame show on the Rays Baseball Network.